The lesson today is disciples are found, and we find this in Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven that Jesus brings reorients all of humanity's priorities, under our understandings, and even our thoughts. By realigning human hearts to God's ways about what it means to be blessed and how to practice righteous deeds, Jesus turns his disciples' attention to why he has come to bring about this radical reorientation, namely, to seek and save those who are lost. Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, he faced criticism from the religious leaders of his day. In response to his association with those who were outside of the faith and far from God's promises, Jesus said that this is why the Father sent him into the world. He did not come for the righteous, but for those who are sick with sin and needing a Savior. The first point in this lesson is the lost are sought with urgency. We find this in Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 7. <clears throat> so he told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and coming home he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who do not need repentance. So in the context of Luke chapter 15, the Pharisees had criticized Jesus for welcoming and receiving sinners. Instead of sending them away, Jesus allowed people of disrepute to actually listen to his teaching. He ate with them. For the Pharisees, this was a sign that Jesus could not be trusted. Bad company corrupts good character, after all. So, they believed that Jesus was a man of low morals and low standards. In reality, the Pharisees misunderstood the entire situation. Jesus turned the entire scenario around by telling the Pharisees a parable about a lost sheep, beginning with the picture of a shepherd who was caring for 100 sheep. Jesus recounted how a faithful shepherd goes and searches urgently for one single lost sheep. Knowing that sheep wander away and get themselves into danger, Jesus compared himself to a good shepherd who leaves the 99 in the open field to bring back the one that is lost and is in danger. In the Old Testament, the prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel warned Israel about being unfaithful and about having poor leaders who did not care for the people. These leaders did not care for those who were broken, wounded, and hurting. Unlike the bad shepherds of Israel who scattered God's flock, and who purposefully allowed sheep to wander, not bringing them back. Jesus stated that he is the shepherd whom God had promised to send to bring back the scattered sheep. God described himself to the prophet Ezekiel years before as the one who seeks the lost 
brings back the strays, bandages the injured, and strengthens the weak. You are my flock, the human flock of my pasture, and I am your God. Knowing that a sheep was lost, Jesus cannot be content to leave it out of the fold like the Pharisees. Instead, he was willing to go immediately and extensively until he found his lost sheep. In Jesus' eyes, the tax collectors and the sinners were the very ones that the Pharisees were neglecting as Israel's shepherds. The outcast, outside of the faith, apart from God, were the very ones that Jesus came for. Jesus described the task of the shepherd finding and carrying his sheep back to the flock with joy and celebration with his friends. Jesus said that his celebration also occurs in heaven over one sinner who repents and is brought into God's fold. First, Jesus said the shepherd carried the sheep on his shoulders. Laying the sheep over his back, the shepherd would endure the burdensome burdensome journey of taking the animal out of the danger and back to the other sheep. To carry a sheep over rugged terrain would be no small task. A full-grown sheep can weigh 80 to 100 pounds and would require a lot of effort on the part of the shepherd. Upon returning home, the shepherd threw a party. For the shepherd, the celebration began upon finding the sheep, but really arriving back home, he calls his friends and neighbors to actually rejoice with him at the discovery of the lost sheep. Concluding this part of the parable, Jesus stated that, there, stated that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not stray from the fold. In the truth, we all are like sheep who turn astray and go on our own way, rebelling against God. Jesus took the burden of our sin by going to the cross, dying in our place, and carrying us home to God. While the Pharisees neglected those who were lost, wounded, suffering, and outside of the faith, Jesus actually welcomed them. And he did this so that they might be brought into the fold of God when they repented from their sin and trusted in his saving work. Just as the lost sheep was sought after with great urgency because of its precarious situation, Jesus reminds us today in the next parable that the lost are sought out with great diligence, doing what is necessary to find them. Now the second point is the lost are sought with diligence. We find this in Luke chapter 15 verses 8 through 10. Or what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I found the silver coin that I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. So in this second parable of three, Jesus told about a woman who lost one of her ten coins. She lit a lamp, swept the house from corner to corner, and diligently searched until she found it like the first parable. Jesus used a common image to explore the Pharisees and why he welcomed sinners. 
to explain to the excuse me, explain to the Pharisees why he welcomes sinners. Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. When Jesus shared a meal with the tax collectors and the sinners, it was in order to have a relationship with them and actually to invite them into the kingdom of God. He knew that they were lost and they needed to be found. The way Jesus described the woman's search for the lost coin is how he searches for sinners carefully. Jesus came to find all those for whom he would die, for all those who would believe. This is the teaching of the doctrine of election. Election is the work of God in which he saves sinners through his gracious choice to save sinners from sin and death, to show his goodness and kindness in reconciling a people to himself. Like the first parable of the lost sheep, the sheep and the coin were not able to find themselves. As we will see in the last parable, the lost son would be restored, not because he was worthy, but because of the gracious, gracious choice of the father. Another unique aspect of this parable is that it is a woman who diligently searches for the coin. In his analysis on Luke's gospel, Kenneth Bailey has noted that the traditional approach to this story by other rabbis was to communicate about a man who found the lost coin. Here Jesus shows the dignity, the value, and glory of women by not only teaching about them, but by using a female character to illustrate the character of God. Jesus certainly displayed his love for women, their value in the kingdom, and taught that the heart of God was like a diligent woman searching for a coin. God is not ashamed to associate his saving work with the compassionate heart of a woman. Because women are made in his image and receive the saving message of the gospel without distinction from men, Jesus' love for the lost is for all people. Men and women from all types of backgrounds. When the woman finds the coin in the parable, Jesus said that she called her friends and neighbors together so that they could celebrate at the discovery of the lost coin. The story of the coin communicates something about how we are precious to God. The coin was precious to the woman because it represented a day's wage. Think of how you would frantically search the house for a day's paycheck that was misplaced. No wonder she celebrated. The diligence that the woman spent on finding the lost coin communicates the extent to which God goes to rescue sinners. Like a coin stamped with the image of the emperor, we are all made in the image and likeness of God. Sin has marred that image. And we have failed to acknowledge that he alone is God. But because of God's goodness and grace, he loves us and he sent his son to bring us back to himself. When the woman found the coin, friends and neighbors joined in her joy and relief. Jesus compared the shared joy of the woman with the joy of the angels when a sinner repents. Angels long to look into the joy of the mystery of salvation. Because they do not experience personal salvation, they rejoice at seeing God mercifully and powerfully accomplish his work of rescuing sinners from sin. It's also interesting to see that Jesus started out the first parable with one missing sheep out of a hundred. 
The lost coin was one out of ten. In the next parable, Jesus would tell of a man with two sons, and one of them was clearly lost, the other more subtly so. Jesus showed that he did not just come to save a large, faceless group, but the individual people whom he loves. Just as there was one lost sheep in a flock of 100 and one lost coin out of 10, Jesus Jesus finished his parable about his saving work by talking about a lost son. This progression from a large group down to individuals helps us to see why Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Now the third point, the lost are sought with compassion, is in Luke chapter 15. Verses 11 through 24. He also said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed their assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country, where he squandered his estate and foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. He longed to eat his field from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. In Jesus' final lost parable, Jesus told the story of a man who had two sons. The younger of the two demanded that he receive his portion of the inheritance, treating his father as though his father were as good as dead to him. The father acquiesced, giving the assets to him, and soon after, the son headed out away from the land of promise to a faraway, distant land. While he was living there, he squandered his wealth on wild, reckless living, spending it on sexual pleasures and prostitutes. But when the economic circumstances changed due to a severe famine, and without any economic resources to sustain him, the lost son hired himself out to someone feeding pigs. These unclean animals would have been detestable to any good Jew. As bad as it was to care for unclean pigs, the son was so desperate for food that he considered eating the pods the pigs ate since no one would help him. 
Unlike the Israelites, who were encouraged to take care for the hungry servant and foreigners among them, the Gentiles among whom the young man lived felt no burden to see his basic needs. With his hunger growing, he had came to his senses and he realized that it would be better to return home to his father, humble himself, and beg himself to be, beg to be treated like a slave there. Preparing his speech that he would give to his father, the son set off for home, ready to accept that he would not be in a position to be acknowledged or even receive the benefits of sonship any longer. With hunger driving him back home with a desire to survive, the son did not return home to restore the relationship with his father. Perhaps he believed he had fallen so far that their relationship was irreconcilable. Perhaps he hoped he could work off his debt, however long it would take him to do so. The younger son returned home without, without any expectation to reconcile with his father, but to come as a beggar, groveling for food. While the son was a long way from home, the father saw him. The father was on the lookout for his son's return. Upon seeing his son, the father's heart was filled with extreme compassion, the father showed his compassion by running and embracing his son with arms of love and kisses of acceptance. Embraced by his father, the son can only blurt out that he sinned against heaven and against his father. He was unworthy to be called a son, but this was as far as he got. The father would have no more of his son's groveling. Instead, he eagerly restored his younger son to his place in the home. While every remaining asset now belonged to the older son, the father ordered his servants to bring the best robe, sandals, and fattened calf to celebrate the return of his prodigal son. The feast that the father throw, throws out outstrips the other celebrations of the shepherds and the woman. The son, as good the son as good as dead, had returned and was in fact alive. Just as we who are dead in our trespasses and sins are made alive in Christ, the Father's welcoming the Son is a picture of God's exuberant joy in welcoming sinners who repent of their sin and turn to Him. We are lost like the sheep, helpless like the coin, and foolish like the younger son. But human lostness, help, helplessness, and folly are no match for the saving power of our Lord. He comes to find the lost rescue the helpless, and bring wisdom to the foolish. This story actually highlights Jesus' unrivaled grace. While the son did not deserve to be welcomed home, treated as a member of the family, or celebrated for his return, the father's heart points to God's compassion for anyone who turns from their sins and trusts in the forgiveness that Christ offered by his death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask that if there's anyone that does not know Jesus as their personal Savior, that they would consider the fact that you sent your one and only Son to die just for them, no matter how bad they think they've been or how good they think they've been, Lord. Show them that they all, we all have sinned and fall short of your glory. And we need Jesus Christ to make that bridge to fill that gap in the shortness of falling for your, 
for your, of your glory. We need Jesus as the conduit to bring us closer to you. And Lord, I pray for those that are sick and hurting today, that you would just be with them and raise them up. So wrap them in your arms, loving arms of grace and mercy. And Lord, I ask that you would just go with everyone who listens with this lesson this week. Send the Holy Spirit to guide and direct their steps. For it's in Jesus' precious and holy name that I pray. Amen.